Welcome to Charting the Course, a podcast from Full Sail Capital. We're a registered investment advisory firm committed to helping clients grow and manage generational wealth. We do this by focusing on integrity, competency, and transparency each and every day. No matter where you find yourself on the investing journey, our hope is that these conversations, stories, and interviews can empower and equip all investors with fresh insight and perspective on the capital markets. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hey, it's great to be with you this week. Thank you for joining us. Hope everyone's having a wonderful kickoff beginning to the the holiday season here as we approach the end of 2023. Today, we are honored to be joined by Julia Fuentes. Julia is a financial planning and coaching strategist with Vanguard's Financial Advisor Services. She was connected to us by Ann Coleman, who's our Vanguard point of contact. And as we've tried to do over the years, we've, we've got a great relationship with a handful of these industry partners like a Vanguard, and we can lean on them and share some of the resources that they provide from a just simply investing philosophy. They really do line up with our process, as I know you've heard Zach and the investment team allude to on here at times. So we value our partnership with Vanguard. Thank you to Anne for continuing to be a resource to us. Thank you for her connecting us to Julia. Julia is really a Medicare expert. And so she sits down with us and we just take some time to visit about all the ins and outs and the intricacies of the Medicare world, what it is, what it isn't, how income can have an impact, Medicare mistakes, where does long-term care fit into this? And then just the constant annual topic of open enrollment and who needs to start paying attention and when and what age and all that. So Julie answers all those questions. It was a very informative conversation. In the show notes, we have placed some links that Vanguard provided that that dives into more detail on just a handful of the topics we did discuss. So thanks again for being with us. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Vanguard's Julia Fuentes. Well, Julia, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. I know I look forward to hearing about it, and I know our listeners will just getting some of your expertise and your viewpoints on on all things Medicare. And uh, we're in the middle of open enrollment, so I thought this is a great time. But if you don't mind, just kind of give us a little bit of background on yourself and how you got to Vanguard, and then we'll dive right in here to uh, kind of some Medicare 101. Absolutely. So I've been with Vanguard for about 15 years working with our financial advisor partners. We know and understand that planning for healthcare costs and retirement is so extremely important because it can be your largest monthly expense in retirement. So I really specialize in the topic of healthcare to really set clients up for success. Um, Financial advisors play a big role in that. At the beginning, one thing that is always helpful to uh, differentiate is just the difference in Medicare and Medicaid. And if you're on one, are you on the other? And I'm sure you get this a lot, so I'll kind of let you answer that. But as we kind of get into this whole thing, let's let's segment what it is and what it isn't. Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to the way that I remember the difference between Medicare and Medicaid, so Medicare cares for the elderly, Medicaid aids the poor. So for Medicare, this is the system that when you're turning age 65, you're eligible to get your health care through the government. Some people that are disabled might qualify a little bit earlier, but with Medicaid, that is state specific. It's for people with very low assets and very low income to qualify. And when we think about planning for our health care costs in retirement, there's two buckets that financial advisors will help their clients plan for. And the first one is traditional health care costs, such as going to the doctor, your prescription drugs, 
things like that are covered by Medicare. But then there's another bucket called long-term care. Some people need a little bit of help as they age. That's where we see some people when they run out of money and they have no assets, not a lot of income, they can get their long-term care paid for through Medicaid. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So is there, is there anything that's covered under Medicare as far as in the long-term care picture? Or maybe is there a long-term care cost that you see people not necessarily considering? And I'm sure that's changed over the years, but I know long-term care, we could probably spend a whole episode just on that, but let's take a few minutes and kind of hit on what's covered under Medicare. Are there some costs out there that maybe people don't think about that maybe could, you know, advisors could start planning for, clients could start planning for? Yes, definitely. So when it comes to Medicare, if you get, let's say you're in an accident, you have a hospital stay, Medicare will cover you for 100 days in a skilled nursing facility if it is part of your rehabilitation and you are improving in health. Okay. Once you're in that facility for more than 20 days, you will owe $200 a day from day 21 up to 100. Then after that, you're on your own having to pay 100% out of pocket. But what we see, you know, as people are getting more long-term degenerative diseases, um, things like Alzheimer's, Lewy body dementia, you need a little bit of help in those cases, like getting out of a chair, using the bathroom, and Medicare is not going to cover you for this. You are on your own with paying costs out of pocket. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And and that's something that's, uh, I would think is very important for, for people to consider. So just another kind of a plug there of if you're approaching that stage or even if you're, well, let me ask you this, Julie, when should somebody start thinking about long-term care? You know, I think young people can go buy a long-term care policy that's in place. Is it ever too late to purchase one? I would think it gets more expensive. That was kind of my last question on long-term care. Just when's too early, if it is too early to start thinking about that. Yes, yeah, so some people start early. Um, I do see a lot of people in their 50s start to seek out long-term care insurance policies. Some people decide that they want to self-insure. They're going to set money aside in case they need this. Your you know, advisors can help their clients plan for how much to set aside. But a lot of people that they're nervous that one person in the marriage might be really healthy and live a long life. The other one's going to need to go to a nursing home. We want to protect ourselves for this risk and seek out an insurance policy. So there's a lot of different insurance policies out there in the market today. There's even life insurance policies with long-term care riders attached to it. Meaning if you don't need any long-term care, then your policy will pay out a death benefit at the end. So I see people in their 50s still can qualify for them. If you try to get a long-term care policy when you're too old, you can get the denied coverage for okay. obvious reasons. Sure. Okay. Well, again, I, I know we were on a Medicare podcast, but man, it sure does tie into this whole thing. So I knew <clears throat> I thought we might want to take a little bit of time there, but I appreciate you kind of setting the groundwork for kind of what we're going to talk about, but let's go back to Medicare. We can kind of go two ways right now. One, you know, one, we want to talk about just some of the Medicare mistakes you've seen people make from a planning standpoint, from a signing up standpoint, misunderstanding, you know, what 
parts are, Medigap and all that. And heck, you're going to help educate me on this today. But I also want to look at the income impact that that it can have over the years and when your income can, if it fluctuates uh, for some reason in retirement, how that can play an impact on on your Medicare and your the cost of Medicare. So we can go either way here. We can go mistakes. We can go the impact, income impact route. You just, you let me know. Yeah, let's, let's start and level set with the different parts of Medicare. And I'll, I'll just list a, a couple mistakes along the way. Perfect. That works. So with Part A. So Part A, and I'm going to go through these letters. It's like alphabet soup. Okay. So bear with me here. Part A is your inpatient hospital coverage. So this is the only part of Medicare that is free. It is free to people that have worked 10 years in their life or their spouse has worked 10 years in their life. So a lot of people that are turning age 65, they will sign up for Part A at age 65 because it's free. But there is a reason why you would not do that. And this would be if you are still working and you have a creditable health insurance plan through your employer and that plan through your work that you love and you want to keep, it is a high deductible health plan with an HSA, a health savings account. If you sign up for Part A, you are no longer eligible to contribute to a health savings account. Okay. So that's one mistake. And Furthermore, if you take your Social Security retirement benefits, that automatically comes with Part A. So sometimes people sign up for Social Security benefits, and that makes them ineligible to contribute to an mm. HSA. Okay. Part B is your medical coverage. You go to a doctor, you go to a specialist. Lots of things are included under Part B. This comes with a cost. So in um, 2023, it was $164.90 per person per month. Going into 2024, that has increased to $174.70 per month per person. That's the lowest that anyone is going to pay. So the mistake I see people make when it comes to Part B, this comes with lifelong penalties. If you don't sign up on time, there is a 10% penalty for every single year that passes that you could have been signed up and you did not sign up. And the confusion here comes with people that are still employed that, or you're on your spouse's health insurance mm -hmm. and your spouse is still employed. Okay. It comes down to that health insurance. Have you ever seen people get hit with a, with this penalty because of confusion on if they needed to sign up or not? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it came up last year. Actually, we had a Medicare seminar uh, here in the office and that, that exact thing came up because I think it is so confusing. I know one thing we were going to hit on is all the marketing material and mailers that people get. It just, it seems so overwhelming. So yeah, I, I think it is such a, um, it's such it's still confusing to so many people when they're trying to do it. So no, I think that's a great a great point to bring up. Yeah. The one one thing I want to level set with people that are still working and you want to stay on your health plan at work, you need to check with your benefits administrator, with your health insurance. Is my health insurance through my employer creditable to allow me to delay signing up for Medicare? because you want to avoid late enrollment penalties. 
small employers, employers with 20 employees or less, are at risk to not have creditable insurance. The worst I've ever seen was a small business owner. He had um, health insurance through his small business. He didn't understand the rules. He worked another 18 years. And when he signed up for Medicare 18 years later, 180% penalty tacked on to Part B for the rest of his life. So that's what we want to avoid. Most people that work for that larger employer, more than 20 employees, a lot of people have creditable health insurance and you can delay and sign up later in life. But you just want to check and get your notice and make sure you check that box before just assuming that you can delay signing up. Great point. Great point. That's great. Now, the the other part of Medicare to be aware of is Part D. D is for prescription drug coverage. There's lots of different um, prescription drugs out there. We all take different drugs. We all go to different pharmacies to get them filled. So lots of different drug plans available to people. There also is a late enrollment penalty on Part D. And the reason why they have late enrollment penalties, they don't want just the sick people signing up for Medicare. They need both sick and healthy people signing up. They don't want you to (laughs) pick up a drug plan when you start taking drugs. Right, right. The other thing um, with this alphabet soup of Medicare is when you look at the combination of Part A, your hospital, Part B, your medical coverage, that is what is referred to as original Medicare. The risk here with just stopping with original Medicare, which you are allowed to do, is there are unlimited out-of-pocket costs associated with it. And to simplify that, it's 20% out-of-pocket. So you need to get a $50,000 chemo treatment, you owe $10,000 out-of-pocket. And that's unlimited. A lot of people don't want that risk, and they want to protect those unlimited out-of-pocket costs by buying an additional insurance policy. And the decision tree most people have is, do I go down the route of getting a Medigap supplement plan, or do I choose Medicare Advantage? Are you familiar with those two? My familiarity stops at the names. So I understand Medigap and that there's the Medicare Advantage. And I'm sure there's people out there listening that are way smarter than I am. But let's differentiate the two, because I think one thing we talked about when we were planning this episode was just all of the marketing that goes on around the Medicare Advantage side of things. So let's spend some time here kind of getting your take on both of these. Yeah. So when it comes to Medigap, Medigap covers the gap in coverage if you just had original Medicare. It's offered by private insurers. Names like Aetna, Humana Gold, United Healthcare, Cigna, lots of different insurance providers. With Medigap, Any doctor in the United States that takes Medicare, they will take your Medigap supplement plan, so wide coverage network. The mistake I see people make, because I want to point this out early, this is when people are first signing up for Medicare, it's really important to make good choices and really think about this. Okay. The first time that you sign up for Medicare Part B, your doctor's visit, you have a six-month window to enroll in a Medigap supplement plan with no medical underwriting. 
Okay. After that six month period, you can be denied coverage or they will price you depending on your health situation. So it's very important for people that have a health situation or you might develop one later. Just know that sometimes the first time you sign up for Medicare could be the last time you get a Medigap supplement plan. Okay. So this, this is state specific. There are a few states that give you additional protection. So look into your state law but most states follow those rules. Six months and then medical underwriting will determine your premium. So what people love about Medigap is all your out-of-pocket costs can be covered. So you go to the doctor, hey, you don't have to pay a copay. Like I'm gonna talk about the one that that exists today that gives you the most benefits out-of-pocket that you don't pay any out-of-pocket costs. Medigap G, I remember it as the great plan. Okay. <laughs> so Medigap G gives you the most benefits as it stands today. This is federally regulated. They set the letter, they set the benefits. You will have a monthly premium for Medigap G. The only thing you will have to pay is, we talked about Part B, whatever your Part B monthly cost is, your Medigap premium and a $226 Part B deductible for 2023. You pay that before your benefits kick in. Everything else is covered. You get hit by a bus, you're good to go. doesn't matter where in the country you got hit by a bus, you are going to be covered at the doctors you go to, no out-of-pocket costs. So people like that worst-case scenario protection. But it comes with a monthly cost. Now, the other side of the equation, Medicare Advantage. Medicare Advantage is also called Part C. Part C, Medicare Advantage, means the same thing. These are offered by the same private insurers that offer Medigap plans. The difference here, you still need to be signed up for Part A and Part B. I want to note that. But your claims are being run through the Medicare Advantage company and they will process your claims. In turn, they get paid by the government to take you on as a participant. They also get paid for new enrollees. And the more enrollees that they get, their financial ratings can increase as an insurance carrier, which means they get additional financial incentives paid to them. So this is very lucrative for insurance companies. They want you to enroll And there's never any medical underwriting when it comes to Medicare Advantage. So what we see is marketing. We see incentives, a gym membership, a toaster oven, dental and vision. Dental vision is typically not covered by Medicare. Zero monthly premium. So what is um, Medicare Advantage is known for being very affordable on a month to month basis for that monthly premium, known for the incentives, the bells and whistles, but they are network-based. You have to go to a doctor in the network, and they require pre-authorizations, pre-approvals for procedures. So you need that knee replacement, you might have to wait six months. And I'm just going to give you, there's nothing wrong with Medicare Advantage plans. People love their Medicare Advantage plans. I just want you to Weigh the pros and cons here. There was somebody just, well, I'll use my most recent example from Friday. 
There was a 91-year-old woman. She's been going to her doctors for 20 years. She loves her doctors. They decided going into 2024, they will no longer accept Medicare Advantage plans. They're done oh. with it. Uh, some doctors are like, oh, this is too much paperwork. It's too much going on. I'm not working with them anymore. So now she really wants to continue with her doctors, they know her, right, and right. she's in a pickle. She's she's 91. Is she going to pass the medical underwriting to get into a Medigap plan, or does she have to find new doctors? Oh. So it's, you know, it is what it is. But there's nothing wrong with them. It's just there's pros and cons to both. Oh, man, no doubt. And I think just the educational side of this is is so important because like you said, your example, and this is a real life example, somebody that might have to, might have to now change their doctor, which nobody would probably want to do at that point after spending so many years with, with somebody. So no, that's great. That's any other kind of, before we move on, any other kind of highlights or points about, you know, A, B, D or the, or the Medigap. I mean, you really, we can always dive in more. And I think people will want to at some point uh, with, you know, whoever they're working with, but you brought up some great questions. Any other good questions people should ask for before we kind of move and look at open enrollment? Yeah, I would say to, you know, if you're getting ready to sign up for Medicare, you might want to talk to a broker or your state health insurance program. The phone numbers are listed in the Medicare handbook and just weigh the pros and cons with this person, whoever, whatever broker you're working with. Medicare Advantage plans come with a maximum out-of-pocket limit that it can exceed. So that's why you're protected from the unlimited out-of-pocket cost. So you pay, you know, somewhere it's just under $9,000, you, you're done. You don't have to pay anymore. Okay. So some people say, hey, Medigap, I think it's too expensive on a month-to-month basis. But I'll give you, I'm going to use my mother as an example. I love to pick on her. <laughs> my mother pays one, $175 a month for that Medigap G plan. And she is very healthy. She has no underlying conditions. People say, oh, sick people like Medigap. My mother gets in one accident a year. And if she had a Medicare Advantage plan, she would need to pay that max out-of-pocket limit. Every year, I keep track. So instead of her paying $8,000, she pays $2,000 a year with no hassle. So she gets a recluse spider bite. And she got very, very sick from it. It didn't get diagnosed for a while. She was able to find a specialist that specialized in insect bites in general. She was able to get diagnosed with a Medicare Advantage plan. You may need a referral and you have to go to a dermatologist in network. So her whole fiasco, she had to spend 20 days in a hospital, all that. She paid zero out of pocket, just the monthly premium for Medigap. With Medicare Advantage, she would have paid her max out of pocket limit. But there's never medical underwriting with Medicare Advantage. You can always get into one of them during open enrollment. Great. Great example. It's always helpful. You can pick on or use your own family as an example. So that's great. (laughs) Okay. So we're in the open enrollment period for everything we're talking about. Who needs to be aware of open enrollment? What should they be looking for? And then for those that maybe, let's say they're going to approaching this stage or approaching 65, as far as ages, when should people start planning? When should you start having those conversations? 
with your spouse or with your advisor from a planning perspective. Yep. So let's let's end let's end with that kind of conversation of this open enrollment period we're in right now. Yeah. Open enrollment is for people that are on Medicare already. It happens every year, October 15th until December 7th. It's all about Part D drug plans that we talked about and Medicare Advantage plans. It's the one time a year you can change your drug plan. You can change your Medicare Advantage plan. If you do nothing, your plan will roll over into the next year and you're stuck with it until the next open enrollment. They send you an annual notice of change in September. And that annual notice of change is telling you what is changing with your plan. But a lot of people throw it out because it looks overwhelming. It looks like junk mail. But what that is telling you is, hey, your drug is being dropped from the formulary. It's not going to be covered next year. So there is a risk that if you don't change your plan, you're going to pay out of pocket for your drugs. It's not covered. The other thing, if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, your doctor has left the network. That's a risk. You want to check and make sure the network hasn't changed. And also costs change. Last year, my mother's Part D drug plan, her deductible increased by a lot, which means if she doesn't change her drug plan, she will pay 100% of the out-of-pocket cost of her drugs plus her monthly premium. She needs to change her drug plan. So most people want to shop their plans once a year to make sure you're still in the best plan and make changes. So that's what open enrollment is all about. When it comes to clients preparing to sign up for Medicare, let's say you're retiring at age 65 or you already are retired. You want to start your homework when you're 64 well in advance. And I also would say start working with your financial advisor. I'm a big proponent of starting to think about this at age 55. And the reason being what you pay on a monthly basis for Medicare is based on your tax return. The Social Security Administration pulls your tax return from two years prior to determine what your Medicare premium is going to be. So when I say start planning at 55, work with your financial advisor, they're looking at your adjusted gross income, that's line 11 of your 1040, plus your muni bond interest. So we're not safe with muni bonds here. And I'm gonna use 2024 as an example. So heading into 2024, your 2024 Medicare premium is based on your 2022 tax return. If you are single and your income is over 103000 you will pay more for your Part B and you will have a surcharge tacked on to your drug plan on a monthly basis. If you are married filing jointly, if your income is over 206000 you will start being assessed surcharges. So income planning is very important because if you have a very large required minimum distribution coming your way, you might want to start a Roth conversion strategy in your 50s to take that RMD off of your tax return and have tax-free assets. So it's interesting that your healthcare costs and your investment portfolio is linked. 
people can be surcharged $500 a month per person. It gets very expensive depending on your income. So income planning, very important. Oh man, that's something that going through this and and kind of planning for this uh, conversation that I don't think I, well, I know I didn't realize. And I think a lot of people don't realize, but we have Roth conversations all the time, but it's more from a market giving us the opportunity and income standpoint, but we don't think about it from a Medicare standpoint. So man, what a great, what a great point right there. So Julia, this has been really, really interesting and very helpful. As we wrap up here, you've given a couple stories and examples, but are there any, is there one story over the years or example over the years that, that you feel like really kind of hits home and helps kind of highlight maybe some of the things we've talked about uh, outside of your mom getting the spider bite, which was very unfortunate. <laughs> that is not fun. <laughs> yes. Um, you just, I, I think there's, so everybody's situation is so unique mm-hmm. and everybody has different goals. A lot of times people go, why would I talk to my financial advisor about my healthcare spending? <laughs> but it is really important because what we want to figure out is how do we want to live in retirement? Are we somebody that is going to do a lot of travel? Are we going to go and live internationally for a while? Keep in mind, Medicare covers you in the States. If you're going to live in Italy for six months, you're not going to be covered by Medicare. So everybody's goal, it's really important to figure out how we want to live in retirement because that will help direct us to what plan we want to choose for Medicare. A lot of people will choose Medigap to start off with, see how it goes, and then you can switch during open enrollment to Medicare Advantage later in life if you want that. The risk of starting with Medicare Advantage is to go back to Medigap, you need the medical underwriting and you could be denied coverage. Some people, I I go to Florida a lot and some of my neighbors in Florida They talk about their Medicare Advantage plans and they love them. They say, hey, I wasn't covered. I went to an out-of-network doctor and I was able to dispute the claim and my Medicare Advantage plan covered it. But they also spent 10 hours on the phone disputing Uh, the claim. So it's all about how do you want to live? How do you want to be in retirement? So it's very unique for each person. Oh, such a great point. It's... uh... Just like finances, healthcare is uh, not a one size fits all. So this is this has been very helpful, Julie. I appreciate the time. I know that our audience, our clients, will really enjoy this. I learned a ton. I know people will learn a lot from it. So we really appreciate your time. We appreciate the partnership with Vanguard that we've continued to find super valuable. So we appreciate it. I hope you have a great uh, rest of the week. Maybe we'll do it again soon when something changes, because if there's one thing I'm certain of, that this will all change at some point, (laughs) they'll they'll make us have to relearn it. So, Julia, thank you again so much. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. See ya. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's conversation, don't forget to review and subscribe through your preferred podcast platform. Have a great week. All opinions expressed by the host and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Full Sail Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Full Sail may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.